Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford, and I'm the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And it's a privilege to be able to welcome you to another study of the Word of the Lord. And welcome to the month of July. Can you imagine that it is already July 1st? Uh, this year has been a particularly strange one. I don't need to tell you that. <laughs> we all are, are aware of the unusual things that are happening. And um, as I prayed about what God would have us to share today, I felt somewhat of a, uh, of a dual approach, a twofold approach. One is to go with the scripture that, scriptures that you see there on your outline and this message entitled Iniquity Found. And uh, that's the first part. But the second part is what I believe is a prophetic directive that I'd like to invite um, those who are parts of the Saint Network to join me in. Um, and we'll talk about that here in just a few minutes. But our world is facing things that are unusual to say the least the phenomenon that is occurring in so many cities and nations is um, is in so many ways a unified effort and that's that's a shock to me and I know we have the internet I know we have the immediacy of so many social network platforms but still to to see the way people are reacting and responding throughout the world in such similar ways is 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 shocking and it 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 would indicate that there is more happening um across the world than than uh, simply somebody picking up on a uh, a social theme and you see we in the united states are so insulated um we we view things through the prism of who we are and we think everybody else views things in the same way well i i understand that but i can tell you that after traveling to dozens and dozens of nations around the world and ministering there in those nations for many many days each and sometimes months each, uh, I recognize very clearly that not everybody, <laughs> in fact, very few people are like the United States. Um, you know, we talk today in our nation about African Americans, and um, we cherish our brothers and sisters who are African American, but you do realize that in other nations, there aren't anything like African Americans. I remember one time we were in ministry and the word went forth. We were going to pray for all the folks from the Commonwealth nations. And there were, I think, 13 African nations represented in, in this meeting. And the call went forth for all the African Americans to come up. And nobody came when there were probably 75 African nationals there in the building. And... The recognition came that these people are not African Americans. They're just plain Africans from Commonwealth nations who are dual citizenship with France. And so to think that what's happening in our country is just solely about African Americans, and I'm not talking about the COVID virus, and to think that people protesting in France, France loves a good protest, or in other parts of the world um, are protesting because of the, of the scenarios that African Americans face is ludicrous. And, you know, we're talking about protests in countries where there aren't a lot of white people. We're talking about protests in countries where there are Asian people, and white people aren't really there. So to say this is about the big bad white man and white privilege 
that's that's affecting the world is really short-sighted um there is a bigger construct and i believe that it has to do with the uh the timetable of god and it has to do with the enemy and his nefarious forces in his capacity as the god of this in the capacity of of his counsel through the god of this world and there's a there's a bigger thing going on and if 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 we are short-sighted or naive enough to think that everything has to be just because of our little narrow viewpoint and how we've got everything figured out um, we're we're deceiving ourselves and we as christians as saints as pneumaticos people we don't have the luxury of that so my my message today is is not about race relations and it's not about the lack thereof it's not about protests it's not about defunding the police or defending the police it's not about covid it's not about any of those things it's about an underlying factor that i believe the enemy is utilizing around the world and it has to do with iniquity now there are two primary measures of iniquity in the in the old testament first is a word that we know and it's ewon and it means to know that there is a deformity or def- or a defect and to do your best to to manage it or to cover it up you know when i was a kid my oldest sister sold avon avon calling for those of you old enough to remember that avon may still be selling product i'm sure they are and i don't really care to be informed about it i don't care one way or another but they used a, a hebrew word that meant to cover up something that's flawed <laughs> i think not none of the women or men uh, who utilize those products really recognized what the product name was. Um, hey, let's go to an Avon meeting. Just find out how to cover up the de- the defects that you have in your body. <laughs> oh, I wish I'd known that back then. But I do now, and it still brings me some grins. But that's one type of iniquity. And Iniquity in that way is something that humans, every individual human, deals with in one way or another. Because, you know, it's it's funny. You know, I've been around for over 60 years now on Earth. And, you know, I see people. And I could just, let's talk. You know, some men really have, are, are, are follically deprived and, their their wavy hair one day just waved goodbye and it's gone so they do all kinds of things to try to cover up what they perceive to be a glaring defect in their personage and um uh they'll they'll wear toupees or comb overs or you know they they go to the hair club for men or whatever and then you have other men who have hair that you know it's too curly for them so they they go to great lengths to strengthen it out i won't even talk about women except to say some women feel they're too short they have height envy and then the taller women unless you're a model you wish you were shorter and um, you know the point is is that we all deal with issues except for some of you who are highly highly um haughty (laughs) you just think you're perfect (laughs) Uh, just about everybody thinks you know i wish that what i am right here i could correct in some way or mask or cover and we do this humans in in um in the spirit and in our not just with the way we look, but we we try to compensate from areas for areas that we feel we're not we feel we're not as good as. Where 
other people may not think that you're deficient in that way at all, but you do, and you go to great lengths to try to compensate or to, or to uh, put your own version of the Avon on your Avon. And um, it's really sad. I mean, if, if people didn't deal with this, I don't know what kind of commercials would be on TV. I have no, I have no idea. I mean, just about everything uh, that you see on TV has to do with providing something for you that you felt shortchanged by. And, um, you know, it, it's really sad because people live their life trying to measure up to others in ways that most of the people that are the others don't even recognize as, as, as a flaw. But yet, for you, it's bigger than life. Of course, I will say, and I'm kind of going into the next thing that I'm going to talk about um, regarding iniquity, but I will say that there have been an alarming amount of other commercials that I've seen lately. And one of the blessings that I have each week is that the, the twins, my granddaughters, they come over to our house and they'll spend an afternoon with us and um, try and I love them and I love we love to entertain them and to enjoy their their unique blend of vitality and humor and um, uh, but one of the things that we do is for probably about an hour or so we'll watch little shows on TV that they like and there's one show that they like and it's about this girl named Jesse who who um, who is kind of a uh, a nanny to a bunch of other kids and they one thing I like about the show is they don't do anything demonic they don't they, it's just good good child humor and of course the little girls like to watch the older girls so that's why they like Jesse and it's just funny how they they gravitate to what an older girl is doing. We all have seen that in our own lives. But I've had to really watch the commercials that are on now. And why in the world, for children in a target audience that are maybe in their, in their single digits or early teens, because that's what this program is, would have to be indoctrinated by the pride issues and... Um, all the other social issues that are out there today, I don't know. I, I think that's a strategy, and I think we as Christians need to really watch what is being taught in our schools and what is being promulgated because there's a lot of brainwashing going on and indoctrination. So I was sitting there with the twins the other day watching this program that you know I greatly enjoy, and um, all of a sudden I see this well put together two-minute commercial which just basically is a gay rights issue and I'm not taking either side of the fence what I'm saying is in in this discussion at least that there's no way in the world that eight-year-old girls should should be sitting there being subjected to that that's something that is a parental responsibility but it's, it's everywhere. You, you see, if you're watching the news or whatever you're watching, you get all kinds of politically based, well, not even political. It's, um, it's, it's programming. You know, you people are too dumb to really understand anything. So let us educate you and let us convince you that our way of thinking is really what you have been missing out on. I don't remember days like that when I was growing up you know kids programs had a lot of toy commercials and that's where the money is you know you gotta you gotta get out and get that Marvel the Mustang or G.I. Joe or you know you gotta you got get uh, this new game that's out that's all the rage or I remember when the NFL football game came out. Man, oh man, I had to have that, and I didn't get it for about a year and a half. But when I got it, 
I thought this was only the Lord coming back could be better than this. But, you know, even when my girls were small, I remember when Katie was little, you know, she would watch these programs. And, you know, Kelly used to watch the Donna Reed show reruns, which is why she's so domestic. But uh, for no matter where I'd be, I'd hear Katie yell, I want that. I want that. <laughs> I don't know whether she was praying to God or declaring to me. And, you know, the show, my point is that the commercials were motivated by how to get more money for the toy makers. And they did a pretty good job of it. I can't fathom who is, who is doing these public service announcements to try to to brainwash little kids in areas that they have no right speaking into. So um, there is an agenda in our country today, and it leads into the other word for iniquity, primary word for iniquity, and it's, it's ewell. And I'm I pretty sure that our word evil comes from it. But I can't give you a breadcrumb as to how etymologically it happened. But if you have E-V-E-L or E-W-E-L, and our word E-V-I-L, you might think there's some kind of re relationship between the two words. And this word means, and I'm combining a lot of lexicon definitions, so if this isn't in the one you're looking at, don't think I've gone off the rails unjust violent deeds due to injustice and injustice of speech and in another way twisted out of shape this is the word that is used to describe in Ezekiel 28 verse 15 when describing Satan Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. This is where injustice, this is where the feeling of being done wrong and you've got an axe to grind. This is where violent deeds of injustice initiated because it wasn't there in the kingdom of God until the enemy found it in himself now how could that have happened was God demonstrating divine privilege and mistreating that poor old Lucifer well, of course not we we suppose through our study of the scripture that as long as Satan was perfect in all his ways and he was the be-all, end-all, hell-el, that when God communicated his plan to create mankind in his own image and that God would have uh, a partnership with mankind, that that's when the enemy felt. And he allowed himself to feel this. He had no right to feel it, but he allowed himself to feel it, that that is unjust. Now Michael, and Gabriel, and the other unknown number of angels that did not give place to injustice, that, um, you know, they didn't feel this. They served God. They, they were happy in who they were. And as long as they served and enjoyed his presence they were content which we all should be but somehow the enemy got his uh, his perspective out of joint and the whole business of injustice was born right there it was found in him and then what did he do he started to say you know I'm going to beat you, God. Uh, he said in other verses, and I'm, I'm compiling them here. I'm going to be like you, and I'm going to ascend above you, and 
I'm going to show you because injustice, this newfound tool within me, is, 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 is motivating me. And guess what? That is still, that is still the main factor of enemy control over people. Now, hear me. As an American, I believe in the right to protest. I, you know, I grew up in a home where my father worked at a steel mill. He was a, a union member for well over 30 years. I was a member of a union for one year. So I believe in the right to strike within reason, and I believe in protests. That's our right. But I'm not talking about people speaking against things that are wrong. But what I am talking about is the spirit of injustice that at root originated in Satan himself. That were, that's where it was found. It was not justified. He, he became crossways with the will of God. And he didn't like what God was doing. And he felt himself to be unjustly treated. And so he began to act on the injustice that was formed in him. And I believe that that has been one of the great tools of the enemy throughout the world. Um, everybody, or most people, want to do what's right. And most people recognize when something is not right. I'm not even going to say fair, because fair is, fair is a subjective view. We can find in anything the idea that we're not being fairly treated. I mean, you know, you, I don't want to get too political here because I, I got to stay on track. But throughout my life, I've seen lots of things that I thought in regard to my life were unfair. I saw lots of people who had advantages that I didn't have. And, you know, it it was hurtful in some ways, um, but but I, I learned to be grateful for what I did have. You know, and this isn't a poor me, don't get the, the mini violin out to play, but, you know, I grew up with a lot of kids who had a lot of things. I didn't have much, you know, and I, 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 I lived a good life. My parents had me in church. I... I had plenty to eat. A lot of my clothes that I wore growing up were hand-me-downs from my older brothers. Um, and I would basically wear my clothes until they were worn out. I started wearing glasses when I was younger, like six years old. And if, if my glasses broke, which they do when you're an active boy, I didn't have the privilege to go out and buy a new pair. I mean, my dad had a lot of electrical work as an electrician at the mill. I have pictures of me with my black glasses that right in the center, they're held together by electrical tape. I didn't know any better. You know, I, I went to school with kids. A lot of them were on the same level as I was economically, but others had a lot of money. Others had a lot of privileges. I didn't have them. Um, and to me, that was just normal. But I know that life is not fair. And the things that we had, we, we learned to be count, we, you know, count your blessings. We, 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 we recognize that God provided for us and we just need to learn how to be happy with what we had. And um, so life is not fair, no matter who you are. Everybody feels that their life could be a little bit better. Somebody asked J. Paul Getty once, it was a very wealthy man, how much more money would he need to earn 
in order to feel that he was a success. And Getty said, a little bit more. <laughs> That's an amazing statement. And um, so everybody feels that things are lacking. You see people with a lot of money who commit suicide. You see people who are, um, are famous and who in the outward appearance you'd think had their, their, their life in just the very best of condition and you find out they committed suicide. They couldn't, they couldn't handle it. Life is not fair in the state of the in the state of what we would define as fair. And, and the key to life is to recognize what you have from God and to partner with him and to learn to be content in what is Paul said in whatsoever state I'm in therewith to be content. Now if there are things that are wrong, I'm not talking about fair. If there are things that are wrong, if there's an egregious act well, the beauty of our society now is that those things can be corrected. But, you know, across the world today, enough is not ever enough. Um, I've seen a lot of changes in my life. You know, I, I grew up in the 60s. We emerged from the Aussie and Harriet generation into the uh, full-bore protests against the Vietnam War. It seems like Kennedy's assassination really did something in this nation, the shedding of blood there, right here in Dealey Plaza in Dallas. And I remember on the 40th anniversary, we went down there on the day. It was a Saturday morning, and we had people blanketing the whole Dealey Plaza. There weren't a lot of people out at that time. They'd probably just gone home and gone to bed. And we were waving banners and proscuneoing and asking God to redeem the generation. But at the time, there were protests in the streets, and then the civil rights movement was really beginning to burgeon, and there were riots, and there were all kinds of protests. The weather underground was setting off bombs all through the United States. And, you know, the only thing, you didn't have the Internet then. You had Walter Cronkite, and you had uh, Hunt, Huntley and Brinkley, and you know, PBS was just coming into its own. We didn't even have UHF stations then. You had a newspaper if you cared to read it. So, you know, but we heard about these things. And uh, there was unrest. And, um, but my, how things have changed in those 60 years. Um, and I'm, changed for the good. Yeah, are we perfect yet? No. You know, we, we, We'll never be perfect until the Lord brings us home, and then our perfection will be in Him. But, you know, I think today, sometimes I hear people talk, and I think, are you living 200 years ago? Because you, you're acting like it. You're talking like it. Look at your life. You pull up to a protest in a brand-new Beamer convertible. You, you know, you live a house, in a house that's that's has no lack you've got twelve hundred dollar phones in your hands that you're taking pictures of police brutality you know tell me tell me how you are really underprivileged right now and i'm i'm not talking about any color of skin i mean you look at the pictures of the protests and, I, and there's a lot of young people i think what in the world is going on in your life that's made you so screwy? White kids, black kids, Asian kids. I mean, United States of America is the shining city on a hill. You travel the world and everybody wants to be like the United States. And yet here in the United States, you have people, you think we were living in hell. It's 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 a weird thing, and I don't really even know what people are. Some people across the na of the world like to protest just to protest. Now, I won't mention any nations by name, but it's it's just the way it is. I don't know what they're protesting about, but I can give you a guess. The enemy is trying to sow unrest across this world, and it knows no color, it knows no no um, political base. 
It's the spirit of injustice. And it's rooted in the enemy. That's where it was born. And um, again, I am not saying that we can't improve. I am not saying that things uh, happen and uh, if it's a bad thing that it shouldn't be corrected. Please hear me. But we're being told now with this spirit of injustice, which is being leading up to the end time. We're in the end time, believe me. Uh, we're being told that this country is horrible. You know, we just need to, we just need to, um, just just destroy the whole country. And what are you going to replace it with? Well, if you look at the leaders of some of the movements, they are avowed Marxists, and um, their idiocy knows no end. You know, you read some of the the, the manifestos that form the basis of what they say they are and they want to do away with um, the family unit they say it they call it a western thing and that's ridiculous I mean having a father and a mother and believing in God is not a western thing it's a God thing they want to do away with that and on goes the line but the thing that's driving it around the world, not just in our little prism of the United States, is this injustice that the enemy has used to, he's, he used it on Cain, who killed his brother Abel. He used it on Saul, who gave place to uh, spirits that, trying to kill David and to do other things. You know, throughout the world, that he used it in, in, in uh, Judas, who didn't feel that the Lord was following uh, his uh, Judas's uh, revolutionary zealot ideals so he was going to have to help Jesus out a bit and then after it all came down he recognized oh my goodness I was an agent of Satan and he went and hung himself we find the spirit of Satan in the heart of injustice moving across the face of this earth right now whether it's an African nation, whether it's an Asian nation, whether it's here in this melting pot of the United States, we see it all over the world. And, you know, injustice takes its own form as long as there's a human. You know, you want to talk about systemic racism? We, across the world, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. I remember being in um, Johannesburg, South Africa, and I know about apartheid. You know, I studied it. I, uh, I saw the movies and read the books, and thank God that system is being, being thrown down. But I remember just in the days that I was there in Johannesburg, and we went up to Pretoria, and we ministered around with you know, the, 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 the black brothers and sisters, um, Pastor Larry and Pastor Paul and I were there. And, um, but we were, we were told we couldn't leave our hotel. Uh, there, were, there were South African radicals that were killing African people from other nations who'd come there to work. Just a day or two before we got there, there were over 70 people that were killed because they were from Zimbabwe or they were from uh, Mozambique or they were from Tanzania. This was black-on-black -black crime, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing anyone. I'm saying that Racism knows no color. And the whole, the whole story that's idealized there about Chaka Khan and, and you know, you go into Togo and you go into Nigeria and you, you hear the people there talk about, well, we don't like the Nigerians. We don't really want them around because of this and this and this. And we, we don't want those folks from Cote d'Ivoire coming in here. And it... There's no white people around. You can blame it on white people, but I'm just saying that racism is is systemic to the entire world. It's not 
just this nation. And, you know, you, you see, we were, when, again, when we were in South Africa, we were told that we couldn't go out for our own safety unless we had some black men with us. We would be killed, likely. That was a shocker. I don't know where my white privilege went then, but it flew out the window. So what I'm saying is this business of injustice and the issues of mankind are not has nothing to do with the color of the skin. It has to do with what was found in Lucifer. And he's the one that's orchestrating this measure of injustice, real whether it is real injustice or whether it's an imagined injustice. And it really begins as a, a bitterness because injustice breeds bitterness. Remember, that's one of the things that the Lord warned us about in his word and one of the things that the bitter sop during the Passover feast and what our communion time is, uh, is, is, uh, is designed to correct as we submit it to the Lord. We've preached this message before in many different ways. If you, unless you've deconstructed it, maybe you still remember it. That Judas and Jesus had their hand in the bowl of sop. At that point, whatever bitterness Judas was allowing the enemy to utilize in him could have been purged. But instead, he ate that bread and the scripture says Satan entered into him. This is the scripture. And so we all need to deal with the enemy's attempt to bring imagined injustice because that fuels people. Because again, everybody, maybe it's the Awan, maybe it's maybe it's just the carnality of the the curse. Where everybody, if you if you have the chance, can feel that you've been done wrong. Everybody has had issues in their life where they can say, I wasn't treated fairly. I, I, you know, I, I, remember, I remember when I was going to go to Bible college, I, I, had, I had denied a couple of scholarship offers that were offered to me by the, by the U.S. Steelworkers. Um, to go to school and then to kind of like a military thing to sign up to be an attorney for them working on intellectual property. I declined that. I declined other offers that I had due to, to sports. And I was going to go to Bible college. And I didn't have any money. My dad didn't have any money. When I left home, I remember my dad shook my hand before I got in the car to drive to, to go and he gave me a $20 bill that was my dad that was my privilege $20 I had to find a way to pay for my schooling but on the other hand two of my friends one of them was going to Harvard and their dad was paying for the whole thing housing everything they drove off in their brand new car is that fair well probably I wouldn't trade my life for that. But if I sat there and said, how is this good? This kid's got a brand new car. It's flashy too. And his dad's paying for him to go. How he got in there, I don't know because his grades weren't that good. I suspect some, I suspect some underhanded dealings. Um, maybe he was going to join the the rowing team, maybe Lori Lachlan had got a deal for him. I don't know. But, you know, I said goodbye to my buddies. We had pizza, and off they went. My other friends, a lot of my friends did things. And, and, and I could have said, God, I don't understand this. I have these other opportunities. And now, you know, they would have paid give me a free ride. And I'd had a guaranteed future making lots of money. And, and after 10 years, I could have been out on my own making the real dough then. But how is it that going to Bible college, I don't have any money. That's not fair. 
Well, it was fair in God's eyes because he provided for me. Not because of my parents. Not because of some daddy warbucks in my family. God provided. But, you know, life is that way. Life is not fair. But God loves us. God is love. And he provides for what we need. And I don't have the things that in the natural I'd like to have. But I'm blessed. I don't lack for anything. You know, I remember when we started to um, we started to follow the Lord as saints. And basically my salary froze because we lost a lot of people. And when you lose a lot of people, that check in their spirit means there's no check in the offering. And you know, my wife works. I bless her for that. I thank her for that. But, you know, there's a lot of things that I like to do. I, we, I, we don't have the money to do them. I'm not complaining. I don't lack anything. Are there a lot of things I'd like to do? Oh, yeah. But God provides for me. I'm blessed. Is it fair? No, in the natural, it's not fair. But I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. God has blessed me. And, you know, I could give in to bitterness and complaint and chicanery. And, you know, I could say, forget this. You know, I'm, I'm better than this. I could, I could be doing one of the kids I went to school with in high school. You know, I'd lapped him in school. I lapped him on the debate team. He was a district attorney of a major city in the United States making piles of money. And is that fair? I bless that kid. God's given me the best. And what I'm saying is that all of us can look at our lives in the natural and find something that's not just. It's not fair. But our God has given us the best. And as long as you serve him, you'll lack nothing. But the minute you start going down that trail of being a voice for injustice, you are a card-carrying member of a spirit that's Luciferian that is trying to move across this world. You think about it. What are the troubles in the Middle East about? Injustice. Everything's injustice. And the enemy is right there. He baked that thing in the oven of his own corrupt spirit. We've got to be bigger than that. So I look at verses where this word, evil, evil is, is used. And again, it's different than Avon. But like Job 5.16 so many of them have to do with what we say and our lips. Job 5.16, So the poor hath hope, and iniquity stops her mouth. Iniquity, st this injustice stops the mouth of the poor who has hope. Do you believe that the iniquity that's pervading our land would like to come against those who are poor in spirit, who are operating in the power of hope, that seed of faith that was born in the heart of God that you hold on to, hope being the anchor of your soul, we're saved by hope. Iniquity, in the mouth of iniquity, injustice wants to stop you. Job 6.30, is there iniquity in my tongue? Cannot my taste discern perverse things? Hey, look. You can find perverse things, and you can taste them, and you can savor them. It's easy to do. We just have to be careful that we don't allow this iniquity, this type of iniquity, to be in our tongue. 
again, Job, and, and I used four of these verses from Job because if there was anybody who could have said, this isn't fair, this is unjust, and Satan, who was up there with God, and God was allowing Satan to tempt Job to showcase Job's love for God, and Job ended up seven times richer, and he had everything that he'd lost and more. But if anybody had the chance to say, this isn't fair, this is unjust, it was Job, and the enemy knew that. You can't tell me that Lucifer, who birthed iniquity, this kind of injustice, was not working overtime baiting Job to give into it. So Job says in um, Job 13, 7, Will you speak wickedly, and that's Ewell, or Evel, to God, for God, and talk deceitfully for him? No. Job 27, verse 4, My lips shall not speak Ewell, nor my tongue utter deceit. Zephaniah picks up on this in Zephaniah 3, verse 13. When was the last time you read Zephaniah? The remnant of Israel shall not do iniquity, nor speak lies. Neither shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth. For they shall feed and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Malachi 2, verses 5 and 6. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me, and was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and did turn many away from iniquity. Do you see the connection here that so much of iniquity fuels the thing by which everything begins? A voice. And my goodness, isn't the prince of the power of the air utilizing the voice today? I mentioned earlier about even little girls watching a show with their papa. He has to watch what commercial comes on because it's and it was it, essentially it was woven together by injustice. It's it's amazing to me. It's just amazing to me. Psalm thirty-seven, one: Do not fret because of evil doers; neither be envious against the workers of iniquity. Now remember again, this is not Avon; this is Evel which is injustice. So we, in, as saints today, have to recognize that this, a long time ago, stopped being about what happened to George Floyd. A long time ago. And yes, that was an egregious act. I don't need to retread that territory. There needs to be retooling and training and there needs to be uh, a continuation of the good developments that are happened in law enforcement. But you look at what's going on up in Seattle, you look at what's going on in places with Marxist ideologies, training, uh, Antifa, and those that uh, are representing um, basically domestic terrorist groups who have a Marxist agenda, it's, it's all based on the fuel of perceived injustice. And, and really, a lot of the kids that are doing it haven't known a, a lot of the kids, haven't known a sad day in their life. They've got everything they would ever want and more. You see the privileged kids that are out there. They're just virtue signal, signaling. And, and they're, you know, they've really not known any lack, but the enemy sure is fueling them with the spirit of injustice. And they, they confuse it with compassion, doing well for brothers and sisters. I have a hard time saying that throwing a rock at a cop and beating him in the head and sending him or her to the hospital is compassion. But I preach now. I better get off that. So with that in mind, the other day, yesterday, 
we were praying before um, the Saints Radio. It was a prayer time. And uh, Monica mentioned something about a silence fast. And as soon as she said it, prophetically, I remembered back to times where God directed us to give to do silence fast. We did one of them here uh, during one of our saints' seminars. That was a funny time. I won't tell this <laughs> over over the air, but I said, okay, everybody, for the next 30 minutes, we need to just be quiet before the Lord. And we laid out the scriptures. And oh my goodness, five minutes into it, somebody yells out. And I thought, which part of that did you not hear? But anyway, we've done these. So I really feel that the Lord is wanting us through this month of July, which is a fast of feasting month, where we deal with bitterness. I really feel that the Lord is saying to us, you need to offer a silence fast before me to basically thwart the voice of iniquity through the enemy, to stop the fueling of it. We have the authority to do that as pneumatikos sons and saints. And so I've got some verses here. Numbers 13, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. There are voices today that says we can't do what God has said. And we need to have that Caleb spirit and, and be still before the Lord so that we won't give place to fear or the opinions of people, but we'll give power and honor to God, to what he wants to do. And you got to still yourself. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen and I will be exalted in the earth. Psalm 31 verse 18, let the lying lips be put to silence which speak grievously, proudly, and contemptuously against the righteous. There are so many ways that these voices of iniquity are speaking. Uh, we need to rebuke the this, this, this spirit of iniquity and the expressions, the despising of the word of God and those who believe in God. Revisionist history, and believe me, that is prevalent. The cancel culture where we can say whatever we want, but if you say anything, your, your life is over. Declarations of anarchy. Evil words that create an atmosphere of violence. Twisting. Twisting. What, what is right and pure. That atmosphere of violence. Everything begins with a voice, and the voice of iniquity stirs that up. The Artemis principle, which is Diana. You remember Paul, there were, there were the silversmiths were there and they were stirring up the mob and they were all saying, great is Diana of Ephesus. And they were, they were honing to try to destroy Paul. He was warned to get out of the city. And, you know, I really believe that the enemy right now, we're going to see this again and again as the end times progress. But the enemy's trying to change the times. He's trying to change what God has said he's going to do in this year of wisdom. He's trying to change this window of opportunity. According to Daniel 7, 25, the enemy against the saints will continue to try to change the times and the seasons. And the enemy is trying to move things ahead and forward beyond what God has ordained for this moment. You say, well, maybe God can do it just on his own. Well, what are you here for? Why are you the voice of one crying in the wilderness? We need to take authority over this voice of injustice. And we need to take authority over what the enemy is trying to do to circumvent and to shortchange what God has ordained is supposed to be happening. It's our job to do this. And I believe that God is wanting us as saints to continue to pray. But I'm going to ask you to consider doing something in light of what we're saying. This is not against people. This is not against race groups. This is different races. This is not against what should be done that should be done right. But this is against this spirit of injustice that is pervasive in our land and in the nations of the world. This is Luciferian 
it is wickedness, it is bitterness that will welcome the atmosphere of the end time to a greater degree. I'm asking you to consider every day this month, this is the first day of the month, this fast of feasting month, this time when we're supposed to be speaking truth and we're supposed to be believing for peace in the gates and we're supposed to be doing away with bitterness. The angel said, you people are memorializing four times a year your plight. God says enough of that. Now you need to be speaking truth and you need to purge this injustice out of your heart. That's what God said. I want to partner with the angels in these days, don't you? I want to be the servant of God in these days. And I, I'm not going to give place to the devil. We're not ignorant of this device. So I'm asking you that every day this month, you spend at least 30 minutes in silence before the Lord. Don't say, I'll do it when I'm asleep. I've heard some of you sleep. You're pretty noisy. You're not in silence. I remember one time we did a silence fast and somebody was snoring. It was so funny. We, we almost broke the fast by laughing at them. So don't say it's during the night when you're asleep. And when you're silent before the Lord, you may want to be reading the scriptures, in just reading them in your, in your, through your eyes, in your brain, in your mind, that speak about the goodness of God. Re remember the things that God has promised and prophesied. Remember the blessing of the Lord. And, 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 and dwell upon the blessings of God upon this country while it's still free. Remember the revival that God has promised. Remember the way that God said he's raising up among the saints, the, the African-American church, our brothers and sisters, to see the power of God. Remember what God has promised for Europe, what God has promised for South America, for Mexico, for Canada, for our country. But in silence before the Lord, let us be in agreement that this spirit of injustice from the enemy will be broken and subdued and put to flight and that God will arise. There's power in being still before God. And this is a prophetic act and we must be willing to do it. 30 minutes a day. And remember that this Saturday is first Saturday. The directive is going out. We're going to be asking God to purge us from bitterness. Is this a fast of feasting month? That we will hear his voice and that then we will reflect on the goodness of our God. We don't lack anything. Heavenly Father, I release this invitation to the saints. May God arise, heal this land. We are your people. We're humbling ourselves and we are repenting for the sins of this nation. But we ask you to heal this land. Don't destroy this country. Don't let the things that we have said in God we trust, don't let those things be taken away. There's still a move of God coming to this land. And there's still the apostolic ventures of this Christian nature nation still has a great field of opportunity it's not time for the enemy to take control here yet and we rebuke him and we insist upon the name of our God and what God has prophesied and what God wants to do turn this which was intended for wickedness to the good and we thank you for this father I declare the blood of Jesus over all of our family from the father's church all of the extended family and the network of saints. And I pray that you will continue to protect us during this time. But use us. Let us walk in health and vitality. Use us as saints and as your intercessors. And may iniquity be driven from its agenda as we are still before you. We love you, Father. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thanks for joining. And um, 
Thank you for being willing to offer up a silence fast throughout this month, 30 minutes a day. I know that's going to be hard for some of you. Some of you, you can do two or three hours if you want to, but at least 30 minutes a day, and let's believe that God's going to break this thing. God bless you. Goodbye.